On Saturday mornings at your service, it's Welcome to Health. Greatest Grains and the Welcome to Health Center bring you Dr. Kurt Rexroth, chiropractor and clinical nutritionist. Dr. Rexroth is here to answer your questions about chiropractic, nutrition, or healthy weight loss. So give Dr. Rexroth a call at 344-1420, or you can find him online at welcometohealth.com. And now here's Dr. Kurt Rexroth. Mitochondria. Now, mitochondria, of course, is a kind of a highfalutin scientific term, but I put mighty in front of it because it's uh, something that you really need to be aware of these days because it's so pivotal in terms of what new research is finding on health and the um, progression toward disease and then, of course, how to get out of the problems that we create in our diet with our, with our uh, misaligned spines with our uh, bad habits in terms of sitting around too much and all this stuff, it's very, very, very easy to understand that the source of our energy is at the center of everything that happens in our, in our body. Uh, in the mighty mitochondria, I say mighty not only because it's such an important uh, organelle to uh, learn about, but it's also the source of every bit of usable energy in our body. Now, what do I mean by source? Well, yeah, you need to eat the proper foods. You need to eat energy-rich foods. You need to eat foods that have plenty of good quality fat in them. You need to eat foods that have good quality but very small amounts of sugar in them. All right, the mighty mitochondria. What is this word? What does it refer to? Well, every cell in the body needs to produce its own energy. This is kind of a decentralization concept. It's not that energy is produced in just one part of the body, just only in the digestive system, no. The digestive system is actually in charge only of breaking food down into its absorbable parts and into its usable parts. Those most nutrients come into the body, at like for proteins, for example, you've got these complex meat proteins or vegetable proteins, and they're broken down into about 25 different amino acids, and those amino acids are smaller molecules that can easily be absorbed through the gut, through the intestines, etc. And so the first function is digestion. Sugars and starches are broken down in the mouth with saliva, and those are broken down into their smaller pieces, into glucose, into um, galactose, into lactose, into all these different fructose, into all these different smaller molecules, and then they're absorbed after they get into the gut. <clears throat> Vitamins and minerals, they require stomach acid also. So the stomach acid is vital, absolutely vital for breakdown of proteins. It's also absolutely vital for the acidification of minerals and vitamins. So you've got to have good quality stomach acid. One of the big tragedies of our time are that whenever anybody goes in for a stomach ache, you know, oh gosh, you know, I just, I got a little acid reflux, a tummy ache, et cetera. They're often prescribed extraordinarily powerful drugs like proton pump inhibitors, the ones that actually lower the amount of stomach acid in your stomach. And as a consequence, you know, it's just like raising your hand. Okay, I'm volunteering for malnutrition because I cannot break down my nutrients into their small parts anymore. And the, the, that goes both ways. It, it, it not only prevents you from breaking these nutrients down into their smaller parts, it also actually makes you more vulnerable to sometimes deadly infections in the gut and in the bowel. For example, 
One of our biggest defenses against problems in the gut are, number one, break the food down into its smallest parts. Because if a protein does come in that's a full protein and it's absorbed, it will very often be attacked by the immune system. And this is the source of all of these problems with gluten sensitivity these days, you know, um, all the way from just uh, not feeling good, low energy, not being able to really, every time you eat, you feel rotten, all the way to full-blown celiac disease. The gluten or the wheat protein, gluten, is something that if it gets into the blood, the immune system is immediately activated, full scale. You've got, you know, atomic war there going on in your body. And you're going to start developing problems because your immune system is overreacting. And it can even overreact to the point where it starts attacking your own organs, like the thyroid gland and, and producing a, a Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Thyroiditis means inflammation of the thyroid gland and lowers the function. It can attack the pancreas with a um, problem that is produced by a GAD65, anti-GAD65 um, situation where you're your immune system actually attacks your pancreas and creates a kind of type 1 adult onset type 1 diabetes. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong if you're not breaking these proteins down. Okay, but the second thing, if you don't have enough stomach acid and you're not, um, have, you don't have that strong acid down into the, into the ones and twos acidities, and that's very acidic. That's, those are called strong acids. And it's hydrochloric acid that's in the stomach that we produce, and it's perfectly fine because we protect ourselves from it with a thick mucus layer. But if we're not, if we don't have that acid there, then this can happen. Bacteria such as Helicobacter pylori, H. pylori, can get in there and cause stomach ulcers. You can also have um, uh, Clostridium difficile, C. difficile, which is, it's called difficile because it is difficult to get rid of. And it can be even deadly. And people who have the C. difficile are in absolute agony. I mean, it's the worst. It's, it's uh, worse than, than Montezuma's revenge. It's as worse than all of this other stuff that's going on. And it can actually be deadly in many cases. So you want to avoid that. You want to keep your stomach acid acidic. I mean, we've got this thing, you know, that, oh, my God, acid. You know, when we start imagining, you know, uh, James Bond movies where people falling into a vat of acid. We, you know, imagine all this horrible stuff because of a strong acid. And by the way, uh, you don't want to accidentally trip and fall into a vat of acid, okay? I mean, you know, let's get that straight right away. But acid, strong acid in the stomach, hydrochloric acid, is something that the body uses in order to get things done, the right things done. Okay, so you need that digestive process. But then how does that relate to the mitochondria? Once you get good fats and good sugars into your body, into the bloodstream, the mitochondria in every cell, this is a decentralization of the power grid, the mitochondria in every cell actually has to produce its own energy from sugar and fat. Now, let me um, just add one more element because you, there's a reason why you breathe. I mean, don't think about it much, and you really shouldn't think about it much unless probably you're meditating, but you're breathing right now, taking the breath in and letting the breath out. What's going on there? Well, what's going on there is you're bringing in oxygen. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're going to start a campfire, do you put something over it or do you leave it open to the air? 
if you can't get it going real good, what do you even do on it? You fan the flames, right? Why do you fan the flames? Because fanning the flames, if, just as long as you don't fan too hard, you understand? Fanning the flames puts more oxygen into the mix, puts more oxygen close to the fuel, and then the wood or whatever you're using, the paper, starts to burn more quickly and burn hotter. Well, oxygen is a primary oxidation factor when it comes to building a fire. It's also the primary oxidation factor when it comes to creating fuel in your cells. So the question, why do you breathe? Well, you breathe so that you can provide oxygen to every cell. And that oxygen is carried by the hemoglobin of the blood. The red blood cells grab onto the oxygen. They shuttle that oxygen to the cell that needs it. And then they release the oxygen to the cell. It goes directly to the mitochondria, the mighty mitochondria. And that provides oxygen for the burning of fats and sugars. Now, we've said very often in this program that fats burn cleaner than sugars. Sugars are, you know, you overload on sugar like 99% of the American population does, and you're going to cause problems eventually, and you're going to actually promote degenerative diseases. But fat burns cleaner. It's kind of like this. You compare the, the two. You remember, you know, having the marshmallow over the fire just a little too long, you know, longer than just turning it a little brown or a little black. But, it, you know, it starts catching on real fire and gooey, ugly, black mess. Well, that's the kind of the way sugar burns in the body, too. It can cause some problems. It's the primary cause of aging spots and things like that because it can complex with proteins and it, it disables the proteins. And proteins are the functional <laughs> tissue of the body. You don't want to have them laden down and burdened with sugar. But here's the key. When you get that sugar or fat into the mitochondria, the mitochondria burns the sugar or the fat, and it throws out a little molecule. It's kind of like a safety pin. It cocks the molecule back, and it's ready to fire, okay? It's ready to fire. It just goes, look, click, cocks it in there like a safety pin would, and then when it wants to be used, when it's going to be used to move things in the body, it's ready to unleash all that you know, spring-loaded energy, bang, and it unleashes that energy into the system and it moves things. And that, by the way, that includes everything. That includes all muscle contractions. When you lift a, a weight with your arm, with your bicep, you know, you bring it up. What's happening in the muscle is that all these little spring-loaded ATP molecules produced in the mighty mitochondria, all of those things are going bang, 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 and they're releasing this stored up energy in the, in the muscle, and it is creating the contraction. These little fibers are sliding up on each other, and the muscle is shortening because of it, and you raise the weight with your arm. That's what is happening inside, and this energy production is going on so quickly and so efficiently that you, by the time you let it, the weight down again and ready, get ready for the next repetition, all that energy has been restored in the muscle and it is ready to go again. I mean, this is an unbelievably efficient system. Unbelievable. All right? But that's exactly what's going on. Scientists have done a great job in telling us how we produce energy by burning sugar with oxygen. By the way, after you get finished using those little 
safety pin, those little ATP molecules, what happens? They need to be reloaded. So they go back into the mitochondria. They're recocked and shuttled out back to the muscle fibers or to the little ion pumps. You're pumping out little positive and negative things into the cell to keep the charges in the cell because every cell is a battery. It's got to be recharged. And what's responsible for recharging every cell? The ATP, the little molecules that are produced in the mighty mitochondria. Okay, you see how this goes? And then you breathe out the carbon dioxide that's the result of this um, release of energy that goes out of your lungs, goes, goes into the air again to fuel the plants, those wonderful things that provide us with sugar and fat. <laughs> okay, so they're providing us with that energy supply. We eat that, we digest it, it goes back through the blood, into the cells with the oxygen that we just breathed in. And again, the cycle repeats. And we, we make energy from the oxygen and the fat and sugar, and everything goes well. The mighty mitochondria is at the basis of that entire transaction. And it's a continuous cycle within nature. Then we breathe out the carbon dioxide again. The plants create good food for us. And then we bring it back in again, and we create energy for ourselves for our meaningful lives, all of our, our work, our service to others, our hobbies, all of these things that we use to renew our life every day are renewed every single day with this cycle involving at the center of it the energy production in the mitochondria. Okay, we're talking once again about the mighty mitochondria, and we're going to kind of focus it now on one particular kind of health problem because we've talked about the energy production and the way that mighty mitochondria is linked into the digestive system and the breakdown of nutrients that go to the go to the cell as an individual, this diversified power grid that every cell is in charge of producing its own energy supply, et cetera. We, we've talked about that a little bit, but we haven't talked about one other function of the mitochondria because one of the other functions is this. It actually monitors the health of the cell, and if the cell gets too unhealthy, when things just aren't going well and it's not able to produce enough energy for the cell, the cell gets too old, etc., its other function is cell suicide. Now, that sounds, you know, a little extreme, doesn't it? Because, you know, what do you mean, cell suicide? Well, not only are the cells in charge of monitoring and creating their own energy, they are also involved in monitoring their own health. And, for example, if their genetics get screwed up and they start having too many mutations and things, they are supposed to destroy themselves so they don't reproduce and create other cells that have the same problems. So they voluntarily do something called apoptosis. And again, it's a highfalutin scientific term. It just means when things are going wrong, they volunteer. They say, okay, guys, friends, we're done here. Uh, we're going to you know, blink out. This genetic line is over. You... Uh, healthy cells, just keep going, you know, I'll think about you, but we're going to be out of here. So they commit suicide. The mitochondria actually explode in the cell. It poisons the cell. The cell dies. Okay, now how good is that? It is magnificent, absolutely magnificent. Why? Because you don't want cells, unhealthy cells, reproducing. Now, where does this problem, where does a problem come from then? If the mitochondria is doing their job and everything, it's great. However, when there's too much sugar in the environment, 
when the sugar is overloading, and I'll just give you an illustration of how overloaded we are with sugar. Uh, in the revolutionary times, uh, when the, at the inception of our country, 1776, the population of the United States ate about four pounds of sugar per year. Now we are eating around, that's per capita, per year, we are eating around 160 pounds of sugar per year. We are overloading ourselves with sugar so massively that it's not even conceivable that we could go that direction without horrible problems. Number two, we're actually starving ourselves from healthy fats. And we're not eating good healthy fats. We're eating processed foods and, and um, uh, junk foods, you know, from junk food restaurants where the fats are actually almost always damaged in, you know, big boiling um, fryers and things like this. So we're, we're just coming at it from all the wrong directions. And as a result, what's happening is that we're eating way too much sugar and that sugar is poisoning our cells. Now, there are two ways, actually, to produce energy in the cell. You can produce energy via the mitochondria, the mighty mitochondria, and you can have a cell that is monitored for health by the mighty mitochondria, etc. Or cells can produce energy, this little ATP molecule, the little safety pins, you know, you lock them and load them and then they fire off. You can also produce some of that, not as much, but you can produce some of that through fermentation. Now, everybody knows out there who's ever produced beer or wine at home that if you want more alcohol, you add more sugar to the mix, right? Why? Because then the yeast in the, in the wine and in the beer will eat the sugar and put out lots more alcohol. As long as you're feeding them sugar, they produce alcohol. Okay, so here you have a cell now that has been fed so much sugar that now it's starting to produce energy with fermentation instead of the mitochondria. The mitochondria are starting to malfunction because of problems in the cell, mutations in the cell, etc. And now, but the cell continues to live without its mitochondria. My friends, let me introduce to you a cancer cell. Because cancer cells have adapted in such a way that their metabolism is produced by fermentation rather than mitochondrial action. The, mito the mighty mitochondria in cancer cells are, for the most part, totally dysfunctional. They can't produce energy, and they can't commit cell suicide. So since they can't commit cell suicide, now you have what's often in the literature called an immortal cell. You have a ca cancer cell. And it's very, very difficult to get rid of it because it's going beyond all of the normal functions that the body uses to get rid of cancer cells. And what do we do in this country? We just keep feeding it sugar. We feed it sugar. We feed it sugar. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, if you really want to become more impervious to cancer, you've got to ratchet back on that sugar intake. You've got to ratchet back on feeding yourself damaged fats. You've got to improve your nutrition. And this is why there's an entire branch of cancer research now that is focusing on cancer as a metabolic disease, a cancer that is promoted and sustained by sugar metabolism. Now, many times you've heard in our, in our talks here on the radio that we have a diet that is ketogenic in character, namely a diet that lives, that actually promotes fat utilization, promotes normal fat utilization. 
And that is the kind of thing that lowers cancer risk because you're not giving cells, you're not overloading cells with sugar. So going through a ketosis diet where you're, where you're basically living on fat fumes, and most people need to reduce their own fat, so we're living on your fat fumes rather than, rather than a dietary fat fumes. During that time, we're basically, we're basically living in such a way that we reduce the sugar down to its minimal amount so that normal body function that is dependent on sugar has plenty. But the cells that are sick are not allowed to remain sick and are not allowed to continue in that process of ramping up fermentation as an energy production rather than ramping up mitochondrial function, the mighty mitochondria taking care of us and getting rid of our sick cells. So I would encourage you, by the way, to look into this more. Attend our dietary program on Tuesday evening at 6.30. Learn how this process works because whether it's cancer whether it's other diseases like um, gluten sensitivity, whether it's you know a whole raft of things that come as degenerative diseases, um, high blood pressure, depression, all these things, you need to know more about this. 6.30 Tuesday night at the Welcome to Health Center across from Kmart and Moline. Hope to see you then. Bye-bye.